the question I keep coming back to and asking myself is just what does this make possible? And this being limitations. I think we, in our culture, we focus so much on breaking out of any limitations, but actually life is about limitations. Whether it's the money you have or the the network you have, or you have children or you have a disability or you have mental health challenges or you have dynamics with your family or whatever it is, it's like every day we have limitations. And instead of fixating on eliminating the limitations, I think moving instead into a space of what do these limitations make possible for me? Hey everyone, I'm Kara. And I'm Caleb. And welcome to the Kara and Caleb show. When it comes to life, we believe it is so important to ask the right questions, but also to learn how to live in the tension and the uncertainty of those questions. Yes. When we learn to live in the tension of unanswered questions, we become more resilient, more radiant, and more human. On this podcast, we explore the questions that have shaped and defined the lives of our guests. And then we dive deep into the beauty and the transformational process that occurs as we wait for answers that may or may not come as we expected. So join us as we explore what's possible when we are able to rest in the tension and live the questions of our lives right now. I've got the heart of a hero. Hey friends, I'm Kara. And I'm Caleb and welcome back to another episode of our podcast. And if you've been here before, we just want to say welcome back and thank you so much for spending time with us. And if you're new here, Welcome. Welcome. We're thrilled <laughs> that you are here with us today. And I'm so excited about today's episode. Mm, right? That's good. I think sometimes for me personally, I can't speak for you, but for me personally, I I forget just how brilliant mm. some of our friends are. Yeah, we're surrounded by incredible. Humans. Right. In today's episode, we actually brought in um, our friend, Allison Trowbridge. Our dear friend. Our dear friend. She's so, so amazing. And all of you men out there, she is single. She is. But you have to get through <laughs> me first. <laughs> But um, I, I'm so excited about this episode because, like, when you when you meet Allison, you for, for you don't know or you won't know or you forget that she has an MBA from Oxford. Mm. She's a published op- author with HarperCollins. She's launching a tech startup and literally raising millions and millions of dollars right now. Yeah, and she's just this amazing, down to earth, beautiful woman who just wants to connect on a real deep, deep level. Mm-hmm. And I just I love that about her and I value that so so much. And I love this episode for so many different reasons, but I loved how she opened up about her imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? When she's standing in a room um, trying to pitch to all these venture capitalists and, you know, literally trying to get them to send over and sign checks for millions of dollars. Yeah. And she's like, what am I doing here? I'm not qualified for this. Yeah. And then we talk about rejection. We talk about trusting yourself, building vision, learning how to pivot. And most importantly, we talk about um, just really building resilience in Mm. life. Like, how do you keep moving forward when you keep hitting no's? Yeah, absolutely. I love every conversation with Allie, but I really loved this one. One thing to know about Allison, I call her Allie, is that she usually is on the other side of the microphone. So she's, um, she's usually the one interviewing people. I actually met her on a panel that she was moderating and I was one of the panelists and so it was really fun having her on the other side where we mm-hmm. got to dive into her life and her story. And she really is, she is someone that I call a best friend and you would too. And she's so wise and articulate. And one thing I think that stood out to me in this is in this episode is how she values relationships above all else. Like at the end of the day, it's not about success. It really is about the relationships that she's building. And like Caleb said, today's conversation, we dive into imposter syndrome and rejection and resilience and themes that feel really pertinent to this time where so many of us... Especially learning how to pivot. Yeah. So many of us are attempting to pivot and having to pivot. And her question, uh, what does this make possible, was such a good question, especially for this time. And not just COVID. Yeah, not just COVID. Just anytime you face a rejection in life. Any shifting. Any shift in life when Mm -hmm. things don't pan out the way that you expected them to play out. Um, suddenly, what does this make possible? Yeah, just framing. I love that. Yeah, just framing your life to say, what does this rejection or what does this no or what does this failure make possible for me? So I loved her question. This episode is so good. You guys are going to love it. So if you don't know who Allison is, she is the founder and the CEO of Copper. It's a platform helping people gather in meaningful community through book clubs. 
She also published her first book, 22, in 2017 with HarperCollins and Thomas Nelson, while completing her MBA at the University of Oxford. Super casual. Very casual. (laughs) Allison fell in love with the publishing world after witnessing a handful of books ignite the global anti-slavery movement, where she actually worked for nearly 10 years, where she led marketing and fundraising and international campaigns for the Freedom Fund, for Not For Sale, and as a partner at an impact investment fund called Just Business. That's all right. She also just launched an amazing podcast with called Good Company with Caitlin Crosby, who is the founder of The Giving Keys. It's so good. It's such Their a podcast great podcast. Awesome. Um, we could talk about Allison all day long, but we'd much rather you hear from her. So here she is. And uh, we just hope that this podcast blesses you as much as it did us. so good to be with it's you. It's good to see you. I feel like I never see you. Right. <laughs> no. Socially <laughs> distant see each other. Yes. We should preface that Karen and Caleb are, live five minutes from me and are kind of have been my quarantine, yes. I would say. We are a quarantine. You're pretty much my only friends lately. You're the only <laughs> friends that I feel like I consistently see once or twice a week. Six feet apart. True. I walked in and I no was hugs like, is the I no miss hugs. giving Caleb hugs. <laughs> no. Um, we do a lot of outdoor Pilates sessions, distance Breakfast Pilates burritos. sessions. I skip the Pilates. Kara cooks for us. Yes. Breakfast burritos. Maybe we'll switch it up and do pancakes next time. I mean, if you're making it, I'm eating it. So That's amazing. I kind of feel like you're our only friend too. Like we really haven't, we really don't. <laughs> have other quarantines but it is something about LA I think LA is even in times where the traffic's not as bad right now it's so big yeah and and there's something so sweet about living five minutes apart yeah seven minutes apart it's so true um and just the ease of doing life together like last week Kara texted me I made bread come pick up a (laughs) loaf of bread and my initial thought is like oh okay I'll find time this week I'm like it's fresh bread. I'm you getting in the right car. Now. I'll see you in you five. Gotta come right yeah. now. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've been baking way too much bread. I think one thing I love about you being on our quarantine, Allie, is I was telling Caleb this, but I feel like having friends who are also teachers mm. and and people who I can I consistently learn from is like the best gift mm. in my life. So I just want to start by saying you are a teacher to me. Oh, yeah, it's so true. And I'm just curious, what has this season looked like for you? This mm. quarantine season? I will also say to that you're probably, and I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast. <laughs> He's gonna brag but, about you. Yeah, for a no, you are by far probably one of the most impressive people I've ever met personally. Really? Yeah, just your entire. I, I feel like I told this to Kara not too long ago, like. I never, let me backtrack a little bit. One of the greatest compliments that I've ever received in life was when I was playing college football at West Point and the ESPN did a big series on me and they were talking to my teammates and they said basically like, you can't be on the field with Caleb and not level up. Mm. Like he raises the standard. Wow. And that was like, oh my God, like that it's really, great compliment. Yeah, it really yeah. impacted me a lot. And I was really blessed by this, but I feel the same way with you as a friend. Mm. Like it's impossible to like be around you and not walk away, like leveling up or having wow. like the decision that, wow, I need to level up. Yeah. Like, mm. because I get around you and I'm like, God, I always walk away seeing bigger yeah. or seeing more, seeing more and seeing in more depth. Mm. And so, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure of getting to know you. I think oh, also piggybacking on that to give you affirmation station. For uh, a I'm second, here for it. It's <laughs> not Let's even, it's not even that you teach intentionally. It's the way you like just you live don't life. come in and be like, I'm going to teach you about this thing. It's just your existence and the energy that you carry that being around you does yeah. cause people to love. For up. example. Yeah. For example. Like the last time we were at Erewhon before coronavirus, and I think we had spoken about this, but you said that like you were talking about your podcast, which yeah. we will uh, Real link Good here. Company. Real Good Company. We're going to dive into that. Yeah, Caitlin Crosby, which is amazing. And I remember having this conversation with you guys, and you at this time had never even, you haven't published an episode yet. <laughs> oh. And you were like, oh, our podcast just got picked up. And I was like, what? 
Mm. And I was like, kind of like shocked because I was like, kind of in the ins and outs of trying to figure out what what was what does that process even look like? How do I do it? Right, yeah. we're yeah. like ten episodes in or whatever. And granted, we're not putting that much energy into the podcast, but I'm like, kind of holding it loosely. Like, what does it look like? And then you say that I'm like, wait, what? And then I remember asking you, being like, your po- like podcast was picked up. Like, <laughs> it's that's amazing. Like, I'm I'm genuinely yeah. excited for you. But your response was, of course. <laughs> of course it got picked up yeah. and I was just thinking like what the heck not in a sense of like jealousy but like how do I adopt an of course mindset yeah like where you walk around and it's like of course somebody wants to invest a million dollars into my company yeah. of course somebody wants to put me on a private jet to Dubai of course somebody <laughs> and it's just like this amazing life that you live that's just so normal to you because you live with this, of course, mentality, mm. um, which I would love to get into. But on the other side of the, of course, mentality is me sitting here trying to prove mm. that I'm worthy to live that life mm. or trying to prove that I have what it takes to live that life yeah. instead of laying down the need to prove, accept me for who I am, and then just live with this and adopt this, of course, mindset. Mm. Of course, it all worked out. Of course, I got the job. Of course, I got the promotion. Of course, they want to invest in me. Of course. Yeah. Like, why would they not? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you live in that lifestyle. You live with that disposition and it's challenging, but it's also so encouraging. Mm. So, so encouraging. Well, I, I think if you think about like, what is vision? It's seeing something that other people don't see. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it, it was interesting. So my, my other than you guys, my social life right now is basically listening to audiobooks. So <laughs> I either go for four or five mile walks with my dog in the neighborhood or go to Trader Joe's and listen to audiobooks. Mm. And that's, but I love it and it's wonderful. Um, and this weekend I, I listened to, to Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. Cause we, I've been meaning to listen to it for forever and she worked with the same publisher I did and obviously created this kind of whole movement. And there's a point in the book where she is talking about when young people ask her, like, what is the secret to success? And Mm. what is the one thing that we should know? And why is it that you hit this colossal success and others who wanted the exact same things that you wanted didn't get it? And I'm like, going through like the canned food aisle being like, (laughs) she's just gonna say I got lucky, Mm. or, you know, just some series of doors open, kind of like when you are anticipating what someone's gonna say. And she goes, actually, the reason why is because I never stopped believing in myself. Mm. I never stopped believing in my dreams. I never, I always, always held the belief and kept going after it. And it didn't matter how many times someone told me no, how many doors were closed. I still believed in it when other people who wanted the same thing stopped believing in their dreams. Yeah, And I was so convicted, encouraged, like motivated by that, because I think that's a lot of what it comes down to is, is believing something and then having the, the tenacity to stay at it sometimes for years Mm. and to faithfully like do the work behind the scenes. I always think of that quote that, that says, um, do your work in silence, let success, Mm -hmm. let, let your success your noise. Yeah. And I think there's so many people trying to make a, a, a ruckus in public saying, you know, look at me and look at these things and you're all the things I want to do. And, and I try and keep coming back to like, what is the work that I not only feel called to, but I know needs to exist in the world. And how do mm-hmm. I be faithful in carrying that out into the world and, and hold that vision in front of me. And then whether an investor sees it or doesn't or a partner or a friend or whomever, like you get so comfortable with, with rejection. Mm. And that's been one of the big lessons that I've been learning is, is like really, really getting comfortable and okay with Mm. rejection and not letting rejection cause me to lose sight of the vision and the belief in what I'm building. Yeah. And the belief in yourself to bring that vision to fruition. Yeah. Because I think that so much of it is the actual belief in yourself that you have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Like when, when I haven't read Rachel's book actually, but when I heard you say that, I'm like, it takes so much self-confidence mm-hmm. and like self-worth to believe the of course mentality. Yeah. To believe like, yeah, of course good things are coming for me. Of course the universe is operating 
for me and conspiring for me. Do you feel like you've always had that mentality? I think the greatest gift that my parents gave me was when I was really, really young. They, so their parents um, had, at least for my mom, it was always like she dreamed of being an artist. Mm. And my grandfather told her that the most she could achieve in life was being a secretary. Mm. And so wow. she better get really good at typing. She intentionally tried to fill typing class <laughs> because of that. She's a bit of a rebel. But but so for me, um, you know, the that their heart was that whatever I or my brother wanted to do, that that we would know that we were capable and yeah. could do anything yeah. and that anything was possible. And so I, I think just at a very young age, I just bought into this idea that really I, like I could do anything that I set my mind to. And that doesn't mean that you don't fail because I failed a lot. But yeah. I think knowing that there's also this trust in the process of, of like what is for you won't pass you by. And mm -hmm. if you do fail at something, it was a part of the process of, of forming your character, of building the depth in you, of learning how to take those big risks and be okay on the other side of it, whatever mm -hmm. happens. Um, on the, on the podcast on Real Good Company this past week, we, Caitlin and I interviewed, uh, our friend Jason Jaggard, who's a, uh, one of the top executive coaches. And mm. at the very beginning, he said, um, do something worth doing, even if you fail. And I just have been thinking about that all the time of it, it's that combination of unwavering belief in the big picture of what you're mm. working towards. Um, and then even if you fail, having set your set your course on things that were, were worth doing, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. That's really so good. good. With everything, I have so many questions, but with everything like in your life, with where your life is at now, and to give more context, you know, you're a, a published author, um, HarperCollins, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have not yet read your book. I'm a bad friend. <laughs> that's okay. And you see me all the time. That's <laughs> that's more important. <laughs> um, and now you have a tech startup. Yeah. Right? Um, and every time I hear you, I'm so, uh, or every time I see you, I'm so curious on like, you know, where you're at in that process, because it's just such a foreign world to me with raising money and answering to all these investors and having all your pitches ready to go and really going into these conversations where in a lot of ways, correct me if I'm wrong, but these conversations are essentially designed to see you fail mm. and you have to pivot, mm. you have to shift accordingly and right. you've got to show up in really big ways. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, I have to like, what's the driving force behind all of this that yeah. helps fuel that fire? Well, f first of all, on the like rejection side of things, I tell myself all the time, no one owes me anything. Mm -hmm. And I think you can get really burnt out when you feel like your, your company or your idea, or your vision is so good. And like, you know, it, it's, it, it, and somebody doesn't see it or doesn't want to put capital behind it. And I remind myself, they don't, they don't owe me anything. And my journey and mission is to create value and mm. create value for um, people who have a real need in the world. And if I can do that and stay like laser focused on that as my true north, the, the capital and the opportunities and the open doors will follow. And mm. I think sometimes people just get focused on getting to yes and feeling you don't realize that, but you, f and I've had moments of this where you feel this entitlement where mm. I have worked so yeah. freaking hard at this thing. Yeah. I have earned this and that's. Nobody owes you. No, no one owes me anything. It's really good. So but humbling. It, yeah. But if I can create value, then I think that will, that will open the right doors and the, the right path will unfold. But as far as the, the question goes of this season, the, the question I keep coming back to and asking myself um, it is just, what does this make possible? And this being limitations. And mm -hmm. I think we, in our culture, we focus so much on breaking out of any limitations because we, we have a, I mean, we have a consumer culture and we think that the antidote is to have as many options and choices and availabilities, yeah. things available to us as possible. Um, but actually, life is about limitations in whatever those are. If you, um, whether it's, it's the money you have or the, um, the, the network you have, or you have children or you have a disability or you have mental health challenges or you have 
dynamics with your family or whatever it is. It's like every single day. I mean, time is a limitation. Mm. Yeah. We have 24 mm-hmm. hours in a day and that's it. It's yeah. not a renewable resource, right? It's like every day we have limitations. And instead of fixating on eliminating the limitations, I think moving instead into a space of what do these limitations make possible for me? Mm. And I think being in the season of quarantine is such a, um, it's just such a profound example of that and chance to exercise that because it's, they're, they're very specific limitations that we're all sitting within right now. And, um, and so rather than fixating on all of the things that I'm not able to do right now and all of the the weddings and travel I'm missing and just the basic freedoms we're so used mm. to and you know the the constant risk in front of us of that the the health risks of of covid and all of this it's in instead saying okay well you know what does it make possible like if I'm going to the grocery store wearing a mask and there's these like distances that actually makes possible for me to be extra kind and intentional towards the teller Mm -hmm. and to really connect with them on a human level and Mm -hmm. ask how they're doing. And I know they're not going to be put off by that because everybody is in turmoil right now or not being able to really do much outside of, you know, going for walks. It's like, I'm going to just fall in love with walking my neighborhood and discovering new streets. And I'm going to listen to so many more audiobooks and make my social time catching up with friends that I haven't talked to in ages or meeting friends like you to, to go for walks together. And we um, did a beautiful walk the other day. Oh, I know. You, our, that neighborhood is like it's just magical. That is the thing. It's, it's a, I love LA. It's like a slow, slower existence yeah. in the world. And even in walking, yeah. because it's our form of exercise, we're now noticing homes that we've never seen before. Totally. Noticing beauty and noticing flowers and smelling jasmine. And I remember walking or driving home from that walk being like, I noticed things during that walk that I wouldn't have. Yeah. Yesterday I spent an hour in on a Saturday evening trying to teach myself Claire de Lune on the piano. Mm. And, and I think we talk a lot about this idea of FOMO and, and that's eliminated now because everybody's missing out. Right. But, but beyond that, I think I always have these like, like undercurrents of guilt of I should be doing something else or I should be doing something more productive or yeah, I know (laughs) literally or should be more social, but even having a really consistent, stable rhythm in just life right now, um, being committed to taking a Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, from Saturday morning to Sunday morning, like for 24 hours, I really don't let myself work. And I do my best to try not to think about work because especially right now, I Mm -hmm. think I'll go into my office for 12 hours some days and not leave. And it's, you know, but also finding a lot of joy in work. And Mm. so there's just been this, this, um, very simple contentment that's arising during a time where I feel like there's so much existential uncertainty, both Mm -hmm. for the world and for I mean, this is the worst time to be building a startup and launching mm. something and raising money. And so I, I feel so vulnerable in that sense, but also just learning how to be really safe in my own skin and my own home and finding just joy and happiness and contentedness there instead yeah. of always feel like feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm somehow missing out on, on something I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah, what I love about the question, what does this make possible? And that translates into everyday life, especially everyday for you, life. where I'm seeing like if you are in front of an investor and they say no, mm-hmm. your probably natural response, I'm sure knowing you for being like an emotional, healthy person, giving your space to be giving yourself space to be dissatisfied and to grieve that that so-called loss, but then you pivot to what does this make possible, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And so it definitely translates into everyday life, which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. what I love about the question is it immediately, because this is how my brain thinks, is it t- I take it to food. <laughs> like, I'm like, what does this I make possible? Yeah. Because my big love with food is teaching people how to be really intuitive with what they already have, yeah. as opposed to thinking, like, I have to go out and get these ingredients. 
And again, that translates to such a Mm -hmm. bigger theme in life. Like we always think we need more to make something happen. But the reality is we actually probably have everything we need right inside of us and with us. And what I love about that question is that it does bleed into every area. It starts mm. for me in the kitchen and like, what do you have? What does this make right, possible? Right, what can right, you make? Totally. But then taking it into your business and saying, what do these limitations, what do they offer me? Like mm. how now can I tap into my intuition in a deeper way and in a, yeah, a more connected way where I can create with the things that I have right here. So in this time of limitations, how have you seen that play, play out in your actual work life? I think it's a, it's a translation problem. Mm. Like if, if you are taking big risks in your life and in your work, you are guaranteed to fall on your face. Mm. My, my mom grew up skiing a lot and, and she used to get frustrated if she would go out skiing for a day and not fall at least once. <laughs> Cause that meant that she hadn't pushed herself. Yeah. Wow. And, and so I think getting comfortable with the fact that, that we're, going to fail. Um, but, but translating that instead as an important piece of the journey, um, and something that, that moves us forward in some way. So I think it's just so easy to like when we come up against a closed door roadblock to, for that to shut us down. And I think there's a lot of space and I think it's really important to, to grieve, like I had a, a huge loss last week where I thought I was going to be a part of this big accelerator program and got mm-hmm. into the finals and got a really brutal rejection at the end of all of that. Mm-hmm. And it really hurts. What did it make possible was me getting on a Zoom call with my family and letting them comfort me and yeah. be there for me. And it even just sitting with it and feeling like, gosh, I, I, I want to know the, the humility of sitting in this mud puddle right now, Mm -hmm. because you don't forget that when you're on the other side and something is successful. Mm -hmm. And I should caveat, which with the fact that we're launching a platform this summer, we haven't launched yet. It it hasn't been successful yet. I'm saying all of this, you know, in the belief that it, it will be, who knows? Yeah. But but I see it and I see I still see the vision of it. And so the, those rejections allow me to flex the muscle of do I believe in this? Mm. If if that person who I really admire rejects me, can I can I learn how to actually grow in a, a different kind of strength and use a muscle I wasn't used to using to actually say, no, I believe in it that much more. Mm. And, and I should caveat that with this entire company has been the result of feedback and people speaking into it. And early on in the process, like sharing the concept and idea on the deck with people I really admired and having people like say it won't work for this reason mm. and that reason and that reason. And, mm. and, really sitting with that feedback and having those like dark night of the soul moments of like, Oh my gosh, they're right. Yeah. It's not going to work. I need to rethink the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's all this kind of divine dance of, of taking, you know, taking what's good and like extracting the gems from that and, and applying them to what you're doing as part of a refining process and, and welcoming the, the failures and, and the hard moments as, as part of an enrich, enriching, is that a word? Yeah. Enri- yeah. Enrichment process for, yeah. for, for what you're doing instead of um, it, just seeing it as, as straight rejection. I, I also think it's helpful as someone who's a writer because anytime something bad happens, you know, my, as my mom will say, like, oh, it's good content for the book, honey, you know, (laughs) but it really is. I'm like, I always remind myself, I'm like, I want to live a great story. Yeah. And I, we're talking, we were talking about like the Lord of the Rings earlier, watching that trilogy. I'm like, no one wants to read a story where the hero sets out on the journey and Mm. it's like, and and here's this green pasture and here comes this stallion for me to ride along. And, oh, there's the lovely (laughs) elfin princess and she will guide me along the way. It's like, what, like no one is going to watch that movie. No one's going to read that book. And so I want to live a life that makes for great content because I actually took some big risks and had some big failures and kept going towards the dream 
despite that. Yeah. It's so good. good. Take me back. Um, if you have experienced this, but as I'm assuming, don't let me put words in your mouth, but as a, a woman CEO in a lot of the ways you, you are a trailblazer in and of yourself. Um, you're opening up doors that otherwise doors just want to, you're kicking down doors, right? Mm. Um, which I honor so, so much, but I can't help but to think there have been certain points, maybe early on in your journey that you've stepped into the room and then that inner narrative, that inner critic says, what are you doing here? Yeah. You mm-hmm. have no right to be here. You should not be here. And something that I've always dealt with is like, if the, the narrative is like, if people really knew the truth, especially like when I moved to Canada, totally. I could walk into a bar and tell people my, <laughs> I'm a West Point graduate. I'm a former army officer. I'm an yeah. NFL draft pick, but they have no idea that I'm sleeping on a floor and I have $200. Right, in my right, bank right, account. right, right. So there was this underlying fear, like shit, if they really know the truth about me. Yeah. yeah they wouldn't see me for who I really am or they wouldn't accept me for who I really am. That scared the hell out of me. And that's really called imposter syndrome. Totally. Right. And so I'm curious if you have dealt with that imposter syndrome because I feel like whether you are a CEO of a startup tech company that is lobbying to pitch and pitching to, you know, these multimillionaires to raise capital or you are a single mom at home trying to start your online business and blog Mm -hmm. about, organic diapers yeah right mm-hmm. whatever it might be like imposter syndrome doesn't discriminate yeah totally how did you navigate that oh totally and I've always lived with imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. I'm n- nobody from nowhere mm-hmm. like really though <laughs> I'm like not you know um yeah and I I remember once early on in my 20s I'd, I had like one of the most successful days of my career and having a boss say to me well you know Sometimes you just get lucky, right place, right time. What was oh. the job? Um, it, I, I don't want to say. Okay. <laughs> wanna say it, was, <laughs> it was like a very big moment where I was like mountaintop. Gotcha. Mm. And had this this boss make the comment of like, well, you, you got lucky, kind of diminishing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you're young and, you know, you just had a door open for you. And I really had to sit with that and be like, no, I, I worked my tail off to make yeah. all that happen. And Yes, we get lucky and doors open for us, but it's a lot of like all the decisions we make to find the doors and knock on them and walk through them or break them down or, you know, at at, at every at every point. Um, I do I do remember uh, at one point I was um, in my my mid late 20s. I was a partner in an impact investment fund for a number of years, and it started as like a really like very humble beginnings and and the founders of it had said to me had asked me to do some like marketing work for them and I said oh you know don't pay me just give me equity instead mm. and then the whole thing ended up really growing and <laughs> I was like a partner in it and um and and I fast forward a couple of years we ended up having a number of of other um people invest into the partnership and so at that point there's like a dozen partners and it's basically all older men who've like mm-hmm. had successful careers and are like retired now and put capital in and I'm like and, and me and I'm like the only female and I'm like in my 20s and you know like ultimate imposter syndrome moment right and we're sitting around this board table analyzing um the investment opportunities for you know what for the the partnership and um, and I had this moment where I, I'm like, just speak up. Like I, like yeah. I, I know, like I, and I just, just kind of had where you cross that threshold and I'm just like spitting out all my insights and, and, you know, just ex- like showing them how I see the world. And I just had this moment looking around where I'm like, I actually have a real asset here Yeah, because they don't know how young women think mm. and mm. they're wanting to like, you know, they're investing in these consumer products and just realizing like, I have a perspective that they need. Yeah. And rather than try and like sit back or say, I don't belong here or say that their perspective is more valuable than mine. I'm actually going to see that difference as an asset that is what equips me to be sitting here right now. Yeah. That being said, I also, there's always a tension, right? And and the flip side of it is that I think um, as the millennials we are, sometimes we can, we can have a little bit of that entitlement of like, I'm just going to 
break the door down and here I am. And, and I do think there's something to be said that older generations have learned of like really like putting in the work and the years and earning your stripes. And, and so in those same conversations where I felt like I was learning how to own my voice and my perspective, I also realized that there were parts of the conversation. I just, I felt like there was a language they were speaking that I hadn't learned and it wasn't, my reaction wasn't, oh, I can't do it. My reaction was, I need to go learn. Yeah. Wow. I actually have more, a lot more, uh, more of an education that I need and more learning I have to do. And so that was a part of the inspiration years later of, of going and getting an MBA mm. because I was like, I know I have a really good intuition here, but I also know that... Um, yeah, there's a, there's a knowledge base I want to have yeah. to really equip me. And yeah. so it's a combination of those, those two of like the humility of like doing the work and then also the, um, just ability to lean into your unique perspective, whatever it is. And I do think last thing I'll say on this is that I think our, our weak points and our failures are a part of our credibility. Mm. So I yeah, think, explain that. I think the, I mean, it's like, gosh, being a broke writer to a broke student to now a broke startup founder, <laughs> you know, it's like can get a little discouraging. But mm-hmm. I'm like also like I have had to scrape and hustle for like every single dollar that's come in the door and I've had to figure it out the whole way. And like nobody's just, you know, and, and so I think there's an imposter syndrome of like, oh, I don't have the resources to mm-hmm. pull this off or I don't have you know, the, like, I haven't helped start one of the top tech companies. And so maybe I'm not qualified. And, but then I just come back to like, that scrappiness is what qualifies me. The fact that I come from human rights and, and the publishing world, like that qualifies me for what I'm doing. Like we can only do so much in a lifetime. And I think instead of seeing those, like, our kind of weak spots as disqualifiers. Like how does that actually uniquely qualify you? Maybe if it's even just gives you empathy to speak to someone in a similar circumstance. But when you say like the, I accomplished these big things and had $200 in my bank account, I'm like, yup, been there. Mm -hmm. Like I know exactly how that feels. And that, that gives both of us a qualification to have that level of like empathy and connection Yeah, Mm -hmm. that other people have never had that experience. That's so, so good. good. As I'm listening to you, I um and just a brag, it's an MBA from Oxford. Oxford. <laughs> Oxford. No big I deal. I got my MBA. Just no, not Northwestern. We were just, Oxford. We were just <laughs> like uh we were reminiscing on Allie's days of riding her bikes through Oxford with yeah. her little basket. And we I need to get know. you a bike for LA so we can relive those days. I'll put my little subfuss cape back on yes. and do the full little call it my harry potter mode yes we actually we our friendship started post england it did you came back but then we reconvened in england we did which was so nice i know um as i'm listening to you i keep hearing themes of um of you being a woman who really trusts herself Mm. and i think that's something that i i cling to in friendship especially because i i feel like for my journey it's taken me years and years and years to actually be able to trust myself there's always been this innate inner voice that's like nope 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 like a a self-doubt voice yeah and I remember meeting you and we we met at a Wedgwood event you were you were hosting the whole thing right yeah and then you were moderating moderating the panel panel. Yeah. yeah and I remember instantly being like, man, she is someone who who knows herself and trusts herself and I think we had like an instant friend moment there but as I as I've been listening to you in this podcast, I keep thinking about your ability to really trust like the voice inside of yourself. And I'm curious, um, again, is that something that you've had to learn? Is that something that you've had to wrestle with? It, it maybe ties back to imposter syndrome, but I think beyond that, even when we talk about the of course mentality, I think what's so interesting tying these things together is that you are someone who is zero percent entitled. Like mm-hmm. I never sense entitlement from you I always know that you expect the best at the same time so Mm. it's this really cool balance of like you 100% trust that the the universe that God is for you that Mm. life is happening for you 
but you also 0% have entitlement and like expectation, not even expect entitlement inside of you. Mm. And so for me, what I interpret from that is you are someone who trusts themselves, you know, in internally, like the route that you're on and the thing that you're building and the vision that you have. Um, so my question is, is that something that's just innate in you or is that something that you've had to work for? I think it's something I've had to relearn. Mm. So as a little girl, I had such a clear sense of calling and purpose mm. and trusting my inner voice and mm. and listening to God and trusting like trusting that divine being guiding me in my life. And I think as we grow up and get older and the world breaks our heart over and over, we can turn away from that and things get noisy and we get distracted. And I think it's a, the, the rest of my life is a constant relearning to coming Mm. back to that and coming back to the, the sweetness and simplicity of that. And um, uh, quote other authors a lot, but another book I just finished in, in the last, um, week or two was, uh, Glennon Doyle's book Untamed. So good. And she talks about this feeling of, of going under the water and like going deep and just sitting in the quiet and stillness of like dropping down into yourself. And that resonates so much with me because, I think when we stay at the surface of our lives, the water is really choppy mm-hmm. and, we, and we feel like we're treading water or we're swimming fast towards something. And if you really want to hear and listen, you have to actually go under and go deep and get really still and really quiet. And um, sometimes that can even be a physical process of finding the places in your life where you can do that. Maybe it's... it's sitting in the bath or going for a walk or standing in the shower or um, laying in the dark in the early morning. Like where is that, that place, that space? Maybe it's staring out at the ocean. Yeah. Um, but I always try and kind of keep locations in my mind that I can go to, mm-hmm. um, whether physically or just mentally, um, where I feel like I can really hear and, and get clear. Um, and knowing that that's, always available because I have been the beneficiary of so many wise mentors and friends in my life who have spoken into what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing. Um, But sometimes those are at exact odds with each other Mm -hmm. or they're very different perspectives on something. And so I think the, the, what I am have am learning to do is to, to take all of those inputs and then to be able to like go deep and sit with it mm. until I have that moment of clarity of I know what to do. And when it comes to being a leader, we also, I think so often it's just the ability to make a decision mm. and trust that decision. And if it was the wrong decision to own up to it own and it. apologize yeah. for it. But the more that you can learn how to go into your intuition and trust that, the more you can make a quick, determined, calm, confident choice. Mm, That's really good. You said as a child, you've always known, like, you've had a purpose, whatever it might be. Um, Would you say, one, that your marching orders in life have been clear? Um, I will, because to say, like, I've never felt that my marching orders are clear. And I really do. I was kind of expressing this to poor Kara. (laughs) she'll she'll, she'll catch me she'll catch me in moments at night when I'm in bed and I just go on these tangents it's always like at 11 o'clock he's like you want to chit chat I'm like sure babe I have to talk about about something (laughs) and then it's like all of his heart right there literally all of my all of my heart (laughs) yeah and I've never I've never been one that has ever felt that like my marching orders have been ever clear to me um, and therefore vision has always been obscured. And mm. I think a lot of what I have done in the past is try to fight for that vision. If I could just get more healing, if I could just do this, if I could shift my mentality here or these belief systems, maybe I can see more vision because I want to run, right? Like I don't, I'm tired of feeling like I'm in a corral and just being held back in life. I want to run. So give me the vision so that I can run. 
but I've always done it at um, kind of the expense of here, like being here and allowing myself to experience life now, right? And I'm curious on you if, if in fact, your marching orders have always been clear in your life or if they haven't, what would you say to somebody that's holding a, a, maybe like an inkling of a vision in this very infancy stages and how do you breathe life into that vision? How do you hold that vision loosely? How do you nurture it? How do you keep it in a posture where you're willing to heed outside counsel so you can shift accordingly or what it might be? What does that process look like for you? I mean, I just had a 50-year plan, and I've executed <laughs> against it. As a three would say. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> As a five-year-old, I'm like, here's the plan. This is no, what we're doing. I, yeah. No, I've, I've never had any idea does what make, I'm doing. Does that make sense? Yes, so? it yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a couple of things. I think I call, I call vocation a divine scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's like literally my life. Yeah. Fucking scavenger. Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, but, but the, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but I, really, I agree. Yes. But that's you, yes. you have adventure written on your wall. Yes. I'm sorry, but I'm if you want to be more adventurous in if life, if you wanted an, an adventure, that's, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. And Agreed. so, so I feel like it's my my whole life and I'll, I'll just use like these last couple of years specifically but it's felt like a divine scavenger hunt of of you just get these different clues of like I know I'm moving towards this ephemeral thing yeah, and then cool. I talk to this person and they share this bit of wisdom that makes me realize I get this aha moment oh my gosh I actually need to be doing this and then that leads me to go to this event mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I connect with that person and then they help me do this thing and then when I do that thing that opens up this door for me and then this person calls and it's like at every step it's a a puzzle piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's this dance of moving forward. As my mom says, we were talking about this earlier, but do the next right thing. Yeah. Like, and I think it is so important to set big, audacious goals. But I think those goals may, sometimes they're crystal clear, but sometimes it's more of just, you know, the feeling of it. Yeah. You know, you know, it, it's it's like when you when you meet a friend and you just feel that sense of like connection and mm. safety and joy mm. you're like like i'm all in because i i i know from afar what that feels like this and is, then when yeah. i get there i know it yeah right like you know the difference of eating amazing food versus something that's like airport mm-hmm. bland terrible mm-hmm. right so it's like you you know it and and that's the divine scavenger hunt and like those are those are the clues where you you know it when you see it and i think it's also a constant journey of of checking ourselves of like what brings me joy what am I great at how do I do more of that thing like I realized um a friend Don Miller asked me to do interviews on his on his podcast on the story brand podcast and Mm -hmm. previously in my nonprofit life I used to do interviews at our big conferences that we would put on every year. And I love asking questions. This is really uncomfortable for me to be on the other side of <laughs> the questions. We love it. But I love asking questions. Yeah. I There's nothing I love more than like drawing a story out of someone. And so I realized that like that's been a clue and a thread that I've followed in my life from the first time I got to sit on a stage and do an interview, having that moment of like, I love this. I feel so joy, joyful and fulfilled. And, and I think I'm kind of good at it. Mm. And so it's like, how do I follow that thread and that clue, which, you know, has gaps of years at a time. But then when Don calls and says, do you want to be on story brand? It's like, yes, yes. Mm. And you weren't looking for that. It came to you. No, but when podcast first became a thing, I remember that one of the first podcasts I got into and probably, so probably like 2015 was the the startup podcast, mm. the Gimlet Media mm-hmm. f- folks. And and I was like, I want to do a podcast someday. Yeah. I love this. I just had no idea how to do it or where to begin. And um, but it's like you just follow the the thread and the the through line and and there's gonna be multiple threads going on in your life at any given time. Yeah. It's not just like it's not just one clear 
line, but it's when you find those things that just bring you delight and you feel so you can serve the world and you feel served yeah. by it. Yeah. Those are the things you just lean into. Yeah. I love that. Literally last night I was talking to Kara about like this last season. Um, just not to go deep into it, but I don't think there's ever been another season in my life where I have felt actually more lost in life than mm. I do now. But it's been interesting because it, it's really good. But I told Kara, I was like, Kara, like when I look at my life in the last, you know, maybe six weeks since uh, the quarantine really... Mm. Eight weeks. Eight weeks, but it was about six six weeks, two weeks in. I was like, there's this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this totally. happened. Totally. And now, either, even though like as a singular event or experience, it doesn't make sense, but paired up with this multitude of experience, you're like, oh, this is the story. This is the narrative. It's this a is, tapestry. It's a 100% a tapestry. You're seeing the backside of it, and it's a mess and knots yeah. and threads, and then mm-hmm. every now and again, it kind of flips around, and you're like, oh. Yeah, like it's a picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see it. Like totally. I, I get it. And I think the older we get, the more that we learn to trust that process so yeah. much and trust. Not the even the older that we get, the more that we're the, absolutely. Sorry, the more experience that we more get. experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One other thing I will say on that too, I had a moment this morning where I was in somebody's story on Instagram. She posted like thirty "Would you rather" questions, mm-hmm. just like a cute, you know, for her fan base to be like, "Would you rather, you know, do this or do that?" And a lot of them. It was so interesting because you click on it and then you see everybody's responses. And there are so many that I just started feeling like some of them are silly, but some of them I was like, this is so profound because it actually makes us realize what we think we want and what we we actually actually want want. are actually quite different when you put up the would you rather. So it would be like, would you rather live in this gorgeous massive dream home alone or live in this teeny tiny part apartment with all of your loved ones yeah and you're like duh yeah. all yeah. my loved ones you know uh, yeah. speak for yourself <laughs> like alone, alone. But i will say to that like if you were to ask me like what i think i want right now is to have like this online brand where i'm launching courses and coaching and all this stuff but it, what i what i really would want is to be wandering throughout Ireland right now and traveling the world. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like it's like, whoa, wait, that's what I really want. This isn't what I really like immediately. That's what I went to. Yeah, yeah. totally. Or it's like, oh yeah, that's what I actually want. Yeah. And sometimes I try and just as a mental exercise, like peel back the layers on my goals. Mm. So I think it is really helpful to set like clear articulated, you know, like maybe it's a financial goal or a business goal or a, a, some sort of like personal life relationship goal. But then to peel back the, what is the thing under the thing, right? So maybe it's like, I want to sell my company and be a millionaire. Okay, Mm. why? Yeah, Is it it actually because you want all that money in your bank account? No, it's because you want financial security Security. and the ability Mm. to care for and provide for your loved ones. Mm. And then when you realize like, that's the thing you really want, Mm -hmm. then how do you lean into that so that whether or not you hit the knock it out of the park mm-hmm. thing, you actually know like, like the meaningful thing on the other side of it. Because if you become the millionaire and you have no loved ones left to take yeah. care of because right. you burned all your bridges and you have no financial security because you're, you know, you, you now are so overextended on mm-hmm. all of the vacation homes you've bought, you actually didn't achieve any of your goals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's like knowing the why, the why. beneath it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so important. And I think when, when we can like double down into whys that are are kind of those just simple like wholesome life-giving things of like I want to be known I want to have like loved ones to do life with Mm -hmm. I want deep friendships I want like you know I I I even was I'm, I'm starting to do a little like tinkering writing on the next book and and I was writing the other night just like we think that we want to avoid the struggle Mm. But the struggling together is what actually allows us to connect with one another. And all we ever wanted was the connection. Yeah. Not the success. Yeah. And so it's a myth to just think you want the success because if you have the success and no connection, there's no satisfaction in it. Mm, That's so good. I can trace that back to so many big moments in my life with understanding because I remember to elaborate on what you said back in like 2016, I think when Mastin Kip 
who came out with the book, the uh, I think Reclaim Your Power or whatever, and and he is like was one of the um, I think I would maybe well he was the first person that I experienced that really was talking about trauma and a healing emotional trauma. Mm. He was like we set we we never set a goal for the goal itself. We set a goal for what it represents. Mm. And so, like, even when I look at my life and it's like, oh, it was never about the NFL. It was about power. Mm-hmm. It was about significance. Wow. Yeah. Right. And so it was never. So e- that's why I could even make it into the NFL and still feel so empty. Yeah. And not exactly. And not have what Perfect I was example. truly looking for in yeah. my life. Yeah. But then even like when I look more closely related to where I'm at in life, it was never about like building a clear vision as much as it is is my deepest desire of being understood in life yeah if i have a clear vision therefore i could be more understood in life and then people know what you're for and then people yeah. know me and yeah. i feel more known in life yeah right and so like that's been like why i put such a because it's so easy to put such a demand on the things that we're trying to do in life um to be something for us that they were never supposed to be emotionally for us mm. Right. It's like dating somebody and it's like, oh, I want to date somebody because they represent love. Yeah. Right. Now I put a demand on you to be the love for me that I'm supposed to give myself. And yeah. that's the. Yeah. That's the formula to a codependent relationship mm-hmm. and clear totally. sign to a failed relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's why we we it's such the classic model of like spending your whole life pursuing something yeah. and then you get it and you feel empty. Absolutely. It's because yeah. you were never pursuing that thing. You were pursuing something greater and mm-hmm. truer that's beneath it. But because you couldn't know and see that and articulate it. And, and what I would put forward is that if you can really drill down into that thing underneath, yeah, I believe that that's available to you today. That's it. That's good. And that's how you can have so much joy and happiness. And I, like, I think a lot of the contentment I feel yes. right now, where so much of my life is uncertain and risky. And I feel like I'm constantly failing and I'm constantly, but I feel so much contentment yeah. and joy because those deeper things that are under the thing mean that whatever the outcome is, I'm okay. Cause you yeah. have it now. You have it. Right. And that's why I feel like to go back to master Kip, it's so good because it's like, Oh, if I'm pursuing football, because I'm looking for significance in life. The question that would really behoove me to begin to ask is when did I first lose this significance and how do I cultivate wow. the significance within me now? Mm. Yeah. Because if I can do that now, it's going to help me reduce my aimless pursuits or my very um, ego driven pursuits of trying to do big things in life all in the name of mm. trying to really find significance that's been with me this entire time, but it's been buried beneath mounds of emotional trauma. Yeah. yeah. So if I can heal the trauma, find what I'm looking for, therefore I cultivate it within, I'm, cultivate it within myself and now... Anything I do, I have it with me. Yeah. I'm still on that journey. I haven't figured this shit out yet. <laughs> Working on, on it. <laughs> on a, on a, but on a like really sweet, simple level is like just a kind of fun exercise to, to try. Um, I was telling Kara this morning, I, I went down the rabbit hole going through my Instagram from a few years ago when I was at Oxford and, mm. and just like letting myself go into all of those old memories and, and all of the, I mean, just so many stories and experiences and like playing them all back. And so I'll do that sometimes, but then I do that as an exercise, not to live in the past, but then to say, how do I bring that Mm. forward into the present? That's really good. Because someday, five years from now, I'm going to be remembering us in quarantine, sitting social distanced on the couch and the joy of this Mm. moment and savoring that and missing it. And I think we can so often, as people who are achievement and goal oriented Mm. we can get we can get so fixated on the thing that we're moving towards that we forget how to cherish the moment that we're in and I think sometimes looking back and and cherishing things that and seasons that have gone by can allow you to really cherish where you're at yeah I think that perspective too it keeps you from resenting the thing once that you once you get it Mm -hmm. right like I feel like for so long I kept saying, I want, I want to find my person. I want to find my person. Or I would say like, I want a cooking show. I want a cooking show. And so much of my work was coming to these internal places of why do I want those things? Yeah. And for the cooking show, it was always about being seen. Like I want to be seen. I want to be seen. I want to be seen. Yeah. And I think if I had gotten the cooking show without resolving the fact that I'm 100% fully seen today yeah. now as I am, if I had gotten it, I think I would resent it because it wouldn't satisfy 
that actual longing for being seen. Mm -hmm. And the same with a partner or a person. If I think that Caleb is ever going to fix a problem for me or like um, complete me or be the thing that like solves the internal longing, then I'm going to resent him when he shows up and he's not that. Right. So I feel like this perspective is, is so good at keeping us present and keeping us from resentment. Yeah. 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 Allie, this has been so, so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. I feel like this is just kind of one of our normal normal hangs. We're just recording it. So (laughs) So true. true. Thank you. We love you. I love you guys so much. I've got the heart.